Good morning, everybody. Welcome here to Crosstown. It's great to see you. We're going to be talking a little bit about running in just a second, but kids, I want to welcome you here. It's great to have you. We got all kinds of cool stuff that's going to happen. We got bounce castles. We got uh, food trucks. We've got a photo booth in the back. We got a donut wall out there. It's just going to be a lot of fun, and we want to welcome you here. Parents, and if you're not a parent and you're just here at Crosstown for your first time, you're like, what wackadoodle thing is going on here today? Well, we just want to welcome you here to our family fun day. But also, you'll get some of the word of God, and God will be speaking to every single one of us. Let me just tell you about a couple things. One is our small group interest dinner takes place July 14th, right after the second service. So if you are interested in doing a small group or just even thinking about doing a small group, like maybe it just passed through your head while you were taking a shower or something, we invite you to be part of our interest group. We'll be serving up some Mo's. So welcome to Mo's so that you can do a small group. That will be on the 14th right after the second service. You know, just this last two weeks, our youth went on a breakaway, a time to spend time with God and and uh, a lot of them were really moved by God. And I want our kids here to see this. I want you to see that as a young person, you don't have to wait to become old to fall in love with Jesus. And I want you to see what happened with a bunch of teenage kids when they opened their hearts to God and decided to go further with him. Let's watch. I need the chains break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter, I was an orphan Now you call me a citizen of heaven Give it up. Yeah. That is awesome. That's not just an example to kids. That's an example to parents as well. You know, we're going to be using this summer to talk about getting our second wind. And the scriptures are always talking about running. It's, they hadn't invented football yet, so they had to talk about the next best thing, and that was running. So they talked about running a lot in the scripture. And it talked about a lot of the challenges. So Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians about getting your second wind. 
And they had experienced some challenges in their lives where they got really tired. And you guys know what that's like, where you've been running all day. You know, we used to, I was from a family of eight kids. We would play until our parents yelled at us, until the, you know, the cops drove us back into the house. I mean, we used to love playing hide and seek and tag. And we'd jump on people's roofs. And we'd, I mean, I'm not saying you should do all this, but it was a lot of fun. But we knew what it was like to get tired from having a lot of fun. So the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians because they started getting tired. They started having struggles. They started having some things where they they needed to catch their second wind. And so Paul said this. He said, we do not lose heart. And though our outer self is wasting away, inwardly in our inner self we are being renewed day by day. So we're going to be talking about this summer about how God wants to renew us by his Holy Spirit and by the power of his word, he wants to renew our souls so that we can run the race that he's put in front of us. So over the next summer, this uh, next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about uh, the encouragement of God, taking a look at the strength of God in our life and experience renewal in the power of grace. One of the things that we have to do right away is get our focus back. And that's what summer is going to be, a time of focus. And the apostle wrote this. He said, let us run the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And the reason why he told us that was because Jesus knew what it was like to run a race. And he ran his race and he won. And he wants to help us win in our lives. But he wants us to start by refocusing on him, his example and his strength and his truth for our lives. So, one of the things that we've noticed in running, and I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but in the middle of this, um, running some races as a young person, I realized that there were times when we did some things on the track, when you ran around the track, and, and one of the races that we did was called a relay race. Well, the Apostle Paul has a relay race verse that I think we all can learn from. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Now listen to this, the way that he says this. The God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are, who are in any affliction with the comfort that we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, what a beautiful word. I mean, this word comfort. And that this is something that God wants us to... Just look how this verse is just, is just colored with the concept of comfort. You know, a lot of things that we think God has for our lives, we think, well, he has truth for us, and that's very important, and he has mercy for us, and that is very important, and he has a purpose for us, and that is very important, and a vision for our lives, but I think sometimes we forget that God has comfort for us, that he wants us, through the Spirit of God and through his word, he wants us to experience comfort in our lives, not just in the spiritual stuff. And not just the stuff that other people do to us, but even comfort in the affliction that we cause ourselves. I love it that that verse says that he comforts us in any affliction or he comforts us in all of our afflictions. 
And that means it doesn't matter where it comes from, the hard time, whether it comes from, from friends, whether it comes from uh, maybe a sickness or an illness in our life, maybe it comes from the hard things of the world around us, or maybe even the affliction is something that we've done for ourselves. The, the, the scripture tells us that God wants to comfort us in all our afflictions. So he uses this concept of a relay race. He talks about how comfort comes to us from God or through somebody else being directed by God. And then when we get comfort, then we pass on comfort to the next person. It's just like a relay race. They call it a baton when the race is actually going on. One runner runs and passes the baton. Matter of fact, we've got an illustration that we're going to show you. This is going to be a little messy. But Pastor Brian's coming up, and he has already selected some kids that are going to do a relay race for us. Okay, so it's going to get a little crazy in here. Thank you, Mr. Brian. What's going to happen is Brian is going to race down on the floor with the, with, uh, the balls that he has in his basket, and he's going to take them, and he's going to try to get all the balls from his side into his basket. Let's put you down on the, on the floor there, Brian. There we go, yeah. Yeah, let's put you down there so that we don't knock any of the kids over. So what's going to happen is a relay race. Okay, boys, come on over here. There you go. There you go. Let's, let's put you right here. And your job is going to be to pass the ball off first, okay? All right? So let's stand right there and face out. All right. You look like our next racer. You're going to stand right here, okay? And then let me bring you over here. Okay, there. And come on over here, sweetie. All right. You stand right there. You're going to be our finisher, and I'm going to put you right there. Okay, now what's going to happen? Now, if you're here and you don't have kids and you're this like, you know, I can't believe this silly pastor's doing this in church. Let me just tell you, the very heart of that verse out of Corinthians will be illustrated by these children. Okay, so if, if, you, don't, if you don't get it from these kids, you ain't going to get it from me. So what you're about to visually see will be this verse in 2 Corinthians about receiving comfort from God and that comfort we pass on to others. So what your job is going to be is you're going to run and give her one of the balls. Okay? Then you're going to run and give him the ball. Then you're going to run and give her the ball, and then you're going to run and put the thing in there. Okay? Then you're going to all go back to your positions, and then as soon as you pass this ball to her, and she gives it away, you get another one and give it to her so you can go real fast, okay? And Mr. Brian has got to take all these balls by himself, run every one of them down into this bucket and put all the balls here. So what we're going to do, and you look ready to go, um, all that the, what we're going to do is we're going to run this race. So folks, you're going to have to give us maybe a pass on this. Uh, we'll see how this all works out. Uh, all right, kids, you ready to go? Ready to go? All right, let's give it up for the kids, all right? All right, all right, all right. On your marks, get, grab a ball, there you go, ready, set, Go. All right. Now you're going to give it. There you go. That's it. You got to get another one. There you go. There you go. That's it. There you go. Go to the next one. Pay attention. There you go. Oh, there you go. They're doing it. Let me get out of the way. Let me get out of the way. Let's go. Let's go. Here we go. There you go. That's it. Good. That's it. 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 All right. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my. 
All right, we got to let Brian have one more chance on that. Load him back up. The kids did such a great job. I just loved watching that. What was, how many balls? We had five balls. All right, here we go. Load it up one more time. Mr. Brian's got to get a, another chance. Let's, let's root. All right, kids, you did it great. Let's see if we can do, get it even faster. All right? All right. All right, Brian. Sorry about that, but now, full out. I don't want you holding back nothing. Okay? Ready? Kids, are we ready again? On your marks, get set, go. There they go. There they go. They got the race going. There we go. We got this. There we go. There we go. There we go. We got it going. Oh, oh, oh. There we go. There we go. There we go. We got Brian going. We got one. Come on. There we go. There we go. Come get the other ball. Come get the other ball. Oh, hurry up. There he goes. There he goes. Oh, we go. Oh, there we go. Right. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we There we go. Oh, that's great. Thank you, kids, so very much. Thank you. You can go on down now back to your parents. Thank you so much. Let's give it up for our kids. There we go. There we go. Let us close in prayer. I'm telling you, don't worry, I got a little bit more for you, but that's exactly what the apostle is talking about, is that when we allow ourselves to be comforted, Then we pass that comfort on to someone else. Now let me show you that idea of comfort being passed in maybe a little bit more serious illustration. Parents, don't worry about this video. Everything works out great. It's going to be awesome. Let's watch together. They had told us they were drowning, so it kind of scared me. Jessica Simmons stepped up in a crisis because somebody had to. We have people from this side running to us. She saw people overmatched by a riptide 100 yards offshore. They kept yelling at us like, help us, help us, we can't do it, we can't do it. Did you know they were in trouble? Yes, I knew they were in trouble. Brothers Noah and Stephen Ursry were the first two people trapped in 15 feet of water. Roberta Ursry is their mother. I seen my husband, my mama, my oldest daughter, and my youngest daughter, and my nephew, but I didn't see my boys. They were screaming and crying that they were stuck, they couldn't go nowhere. The Ursry family and other people swam out to rescue the boys, but they became stranded too. As this cell phone video shows, people on the beach linked arms to form a human chain into the water, roughly 80 people in all. Then Jessica Simmons and her husband Derek, both strong swimmers, swam out. And with the help of a surfboard, guided the victims one by one to the human chain and safety. It scared the living daylights out of me. The water kept coming up over my head. It was getting to where I couldn't even feel the ground. So it was scaring me. I kept taking water in. This video shows Tabitha finally making it to shore. In fact, all nine stranded people survived. I think all nine were going to survive. Yes, I knew they were. Because I knew, because I was going to make sure. Not, not on your watch. Not on my watch. I was not <laughs> going to let somebody die on my watch. I was like, this isn't going to happen. A beach full of strangers responded in a moment of despair. And because they did, nine people are alive today. We live in a world where we have so much going on around us and everybody's always battling each other over politics and races and different like that. But I will tell you there was over 20 different races on this beach and they came together like that. The people made a human chain and pulled us out. As a mama, I'm supposed to be able to protect them and do everything and I couldn't do it that day. I had to have help. She had to have help. See, sometimes we can't rescue ourselves. 
And we need to be connected in relationship with other people in order to get the comfort of God into our own lives. Paul says, comfort one another with the comfort you have received. So when we refuse the comfort of God, and we'll talk about a couple reasons why we would, but when we refuse the comfort of God, we are robbing others of the comfort that we could give them. Do you remember during the race when the kids were running and one of the balls kind of got loose and kind of rolled up here and, and all of a sudden the race and the objective was put into question, what the outcome was going to be. If any one of those kids had decided, you know, when, when one of the boys came up and was going to hand this young girl this ball and she just decided to go like this, you know, maybe had a freeze moment, you know how it is, and, and just kind of like, mm-mm, I don't want to do it, or, or folded their hands and didn't want to do it, the comfort, the ball would have never traveled any further. So what the apostle is saying is start by letting yourself be comforted by God. Let God comfort you. For some reason, we don't believe we're supposed to allow God to comfort us. There's a lot of things that happen. And if you want to draw this out, and I I have to draw things out to like, okay, so what are you saying? It would be this, is that refusing the comfort of God in your life is actually an act of selfishness. Isn't that crazy? I never thought I would kind of connect the dots that way. But when I decide that I am not going to be comforted by God or the comfort of God that he gives me through other people, then it really isn't just me showing that I'm a man and I don't need anybody to help me. It's it's not that. I don't know. I guess that's a man voice. But it's not that. It really is an act of selfishness because the, the, the baton stops and it never arrives with me. And therefore, I don't have any comfort to give to someone else that I may experience. So why would somebody, why would we reject the comfort of God? Why wouldn't we allow God to comfort us so that we can comfort others? One, I think some of us don't think we deserve it. We really do. We just don't think we deserve this concept of being loved by God. And and technically, we don't deserve it. But it's being offered to us through the mercy of God in his son, Jesus Christ. And so it's there being offered to us. God, through the power of his spirit and the wisdom of his word, wants to speak comfort into our lives and brings comfort to us. But a lot of us don't think we deserve it. I think everyone here would say that every young child that's here deserves comfort. Wouldn't you? I mean, I think, I don't care how old you are, you could look at one of these little kids, and and every one of these kids, you'd say, oh, yeah, they deserve the comfort of God. So you're 60. Why don't you deserve comfort? You're 80. Why don't you deserve comfort? Uh, uh, So you've messed up and gone through some tragedies in your life, or maybe you've done some things wrong. Why don't you get comfort in your life? I think there's another reason that we think we should be able to fix it ourselves. You know, I got this. I don't need anybody's help. We grin and bear it. We think we should fix our own problems and that we shouldn't have somebody else involved in it. Or maybe we're just too, too stubborn, too stubborn and prideful. We don't want anybody's help because we believe we can do this all by ourselves and we don't need God's comfort. And we don't need anybody else's help in our lives. And then I think here's the big one. I think that a lot of us are too ashamed of, of what's happened. You know, we kind of feel like, well, I caused this problem. I did it. I'm responsible. And I shouldn't be helped because I'm ashamed of what's going on in my life and what I've done. 
And nothing can be further from the truth. If, if the Apostle Paul says that God comforts us in a certain kind of comfort, in a certain kind of affliction, well then maybe you're on your own. But it didn't say that. He says he comforts us in all affliction. And then a little bit later, then he comforts us in any affliction, anything that's bringing challenge to our lives, even the things that we have done ourselves. So how does God comfort us? Well, let me clarify this for the sake of our expectation. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.3, he says, Blessed be the God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction. Now, here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that God helps us by, and I made this word up, de-afflictioning us. See, that's the... Isn't that the kind of Christianity that we want? I did make that word up. You can tweet that out. Pastor invents word. De-afflictioning us. We think if God's moved in our lives, then the affliction has been removed from our lives. We think, and, and, and the reason why this is so important is some of us begin to doubt God because the affliction remains. Maybe the illness remains. Maybe the situation remains. Uh, maybe... You know, whatever it is, sometimes we think if God really loves us, then the affliction should be gone. And then if we have that expectation, then if the affliction doesn't go, but we see somebody else's affliction go, then we think there's something wrong with us. That God wants me to, just wants me to hurt. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture doesn't say he, he de-afflictions us. God doesn't offer us ease. That's a, that's a big word. He doesn't offer us ease. He offers us comfort. And if you don't know the difference between the word ease and comfort, then maybe you don't know what the word affliction means. Because once you get into a place of hurting somewhere, whether it's your back whether it's your marriage, whether it's something in your life, something that you've done, something going on in the world around you, that there is a difference between ease and comfort. See, I, I've been praying to God that he would fix my back so I could go back to doing the easy things I love doing. I want ease. God, please fix my back. Okay, why do you want your back? So that I can go back to watching TV without, without having to put ice on my back. God, help my back so I can go back to... to not being a very good flag football player on the front lawn of the church. God, help me so I can go back and have an easy life again. But that's not what the scripture says that God offers us. He offers us comfort in our affliction. He offers us strength in our, and, and for some of us, I think you've been angry at God because he hasn't taken your affliction away. Or you're doubting the reality of God's love, his power, and his strength. But if we look at a scripture like this, it's like, no, I'm going to offer you something. And I had to run it through my head. And here's how I say it to me. That God believes that his comfort in affliction is better for me than ease without him. Okay? He believes that his comfort in my affliction is better for me than me having ease without him. Because if we're all honest, and now I'm talking to the older folks here, if we're all honest, the moment our life go, becomes easy, what is the first thing we jettison? 
The first thing, God. Oh man, we jettison him like, you know, as soon as the paint dries, the, the paint on easy life dries on the wall. We, we jettison God just like that. But God says, I believe that the comfort of God in your life will be better than ease without God. So, what does God give us in the middle of our affliction? He gives us his peace. There's a sense of of knowing and having confidence. And that's one of the things that he speaks into us because this is really what this, this word comfort means. It's kind of a speaking word that he speaks his peace into our lives. He, he gives us his healing. He heals our lives. He provides for us in the middle of our affliction. He gives us strength in the middle of our affliction. One of the other things is he gives us hope in the middle of it. And because I know that when the pain really gets turned on and a lot of us are living with pain, whether it's physical or emotional pain, whatever the pain may be, is that when it gets turned on, we just need some hope spoken into our lives. And then also his encouragement is spoken to our lives. I, I, I told you last week that my back was really bothering me, that I was like just despairing of life. It was like, I can't believe I had this much pain, can't sleep. The bags under my eyes are worse than they've ever been. And I'm just, I'm just tired. And I was like, God, you got to help me out. And, and, and everybody's been praying for me. I've gone up for prayer, and I believe in healing. And it's like, God, you know, I want, I want your best in my life. And, and so it was funny. I went out. On Monday, after preaching that, I went out to feed the birds in our bird feeder, and I bring my nice little uh, bucket full of bird seed because I'm like an old man. And so I got my bucket of bird seed. Well, it weighs about 20 to 30 pounds, and as I was feeding the birds, I accidentally released the bucket, and it landed on my big toe. Yes. So um, I didn't say any bad words then at that moment. Okay, so I'm hobbling in, I'm putting ice on it, it's turning blue right in front of my face, it's black and blue right now, and I looked at Susan, and she's like looking at me like I'm the most pitiful human being on the earth, I mean, you're just not catching a break, and I looked at her, and I looked up, and I said, guess what, what, I don't feel my back hurt much, <laughs> And I, and I know that's not really a, a, a great solution, but I will tell you this, is that when you get locked down on your affliction, that's all that you'll see. What you've got to open your eyes to and refocus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, is seeking the comfort of God. He, want, he does not want you to be miserable. Godliness is not worked out in misery. Godliness is worked out in hope regardless of the affliction that we have in our lives. And God wants you to have comfort. Because here's one of the things. If he doesn't give you comfort, then, then how's he going to get comfort to other people? You're part of the chain of reaching the people that are drowning. Like that mother said, I should be able to help my children, but there was a point when I first had to be rescued because I couldn't rescue even the ones that I love. And God wants to rescue you in the midst of your affliction. He wants to give you his, his love. He wants to give you his peace, his healing, his provision, his hope, and his encouragement. I know we can't offer other people a life of ease. That's not the baton we pass. And can I say this to older parents? If you're here and you've got a, a, a young person, a, a child that's maybe 30 or 40, maybe 50 years of age, 
and you want to make their lives work out. You know, you want to, you can't ease your adult child into healing. You really can't. And I know we want to make, fix our kids, especially the older they get, we want to make their lives a little bit easier. No, we need to be praying for, we can't take away their affliction. But we can pray for the comfort of God in their affliction. And the way that we can bring the comfort of God to their affliction is as parents, first bring it into our lives. So, the first step in becoming a hero, it's easy. Let someone save you. That's the first step. As I look at all those people out as a giant chain saving those other people, the way that you become a hero is first allowing someone to save you. Let God save you through his grace and his love and through his comfort. So don't hide your pain. Don't, don't silence your story. Don't go quiet. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll try to tell people, don't, you know, I can't, I can't weed whip my own yard. I, I mowed it yesterday. And I can't weed, because right now I just can't hold an object out here and weed whip it. So one of the guys in our mentorship group came up and said, listen, I want to weed whip your yard. And at first I was like, no, no, no. Real men don't let other men weed whip their yard. I know, okay. I mean, that's just kind of how I felt. It's crazy, but that's how I thought. And then he's like, dude, come on. Your back hurts. You need, and, and, and it's like, okay, all right, I'll let you weed whip my yard. I, I can't tell you how hard it is for me to let somebody help me. And you may be here today, and you're being overwhelmed in your affliction, not because God's just heaping stuff on you. It's because you're not taking the ball of help and comfort that God is offering to you, most likely through another human being, through someone else in your life. And maybe you're so overwhelmed like I am that you're at the point where you just need to let somebody weed whip your yard for you. You need to let someone help you in your life. You need someone to bring the comfort of God into your life. And as a result of it, not so that you can become a person of ease, but so that you can now comfort someone else with the exact same comfort that you have been comforted with. So don't hide your pain. Don't silence your story. Don't reject Comfort to receive, and don't hold back comfort to give. This is one of the ways that God saves people on our earth. It's through comforting us through his word, through his spirit, through his love, and then we begin to give the comfort of God to other people, and we see their lives saved. So as we move into this special moment, and what this moment is, it's a, a moment where we, we worship just one last song, it's a time when we receive communion, and that reminds us of the, of the comfort of God. It's the baton. As you dip the bread into the cup and receive it, you're receiving the comfort of God in your life. Now, if you have a child with you and doesn't understand what communion is, and you haven't had that conversation with them about the meaning of comfort, let them see you receive communion. Say, so, well, don't they need comfort? Yeah. Guess where they're going to get it? They're going to get it from you comfort one another with the comfort you yourself are comforted. Let them see you model receiving comfort from God and then you give them that comfort from God. Let me invite you. This is a time of prayer. Our pastors and elders will be in the back and we'll just have a 
quick moment of prayer if you need prayer. You say, well, I'm not the kind of person who goes up for prayer. I don't want to make a public spectacle. There is no public. The kids running around up here is the most public spectacle that's going to happen all day. Nothing weird's going to happen for you to just ask another human being to pray the comfort of God into your life. Maybe it'll be a time where you and your child will write a prayer to God about bringing comfort into your life or maybe just thanking God for comfort in your life and just pin it to the cross. So let me invite you to enter into this moment with God. Father, we thank you for your comfort. And I love that word so much because that word comes to me in all my afflictions. There are other words that don't get into my afflictions. God, I need comfort in my afflictions. Sometimes I don't need more truth in my affliction. I need comfort. And God, through your spirit and your word, through your love and through your people, you allow comfort to seep through the cracks of the brokenness of our lives that we can experience the comfort of heaven, our daily bread, your will being done heaven coming to earth in our lives and today we open ourselves we start with us bread of heaven comfort our lives comfort our souls we thank you god for this special moment let me invite you to enter into this moment of comfort with god